Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. Welcome to the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway, where you'll learn the keys to building a profitable speaking business from speaking industry pros. Each week, we interview a great guest who will share his or her speaking journey, identify what their keys to success have been, and highlight some critical mistakes they've made along the way that you'll want to avoid. Be sure to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet this week's guest. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Spotlight on Speaking Show. I am Brett Ridgway, and my guest this week is a longtime friend, kind of reconnecting in the name of J.J. Childers. But J.J. is a licensed attorney who helps entrepreneurs, small business owners, and investors design and structure protection plans for safeguarding their assets without all the confusion, complication, and cost often associated with the process. He practices in the areas of asset protection and estate planning and received his LLM in dispute resolution from Pepperdine University. He's the author of numerous books, courses, and training programs providing instruction on wealth protection and is a highly sought-after speaker on a wide range of topics related to legal protection planning. Welcome, J.J. Childress, to the Spotlight on Speaking show. Hey, Brett. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited about this. Well, I got I to gotta ask you, J.J., so I, I got a number of questions I'm going to ask you, but I got to stick one in there before that. What the hell is an LLM? That, that, that's a good question. It's actually it's a master's law degree, which what's kind of interesting is that when you get your law degree, you actually get a Juris Doctor. And then if you want to specialize a little further, you can do so by getting an LLM, which is a master's law degree. So it's it's kind of backwards in some ways because say, typically yeah. you get a master's then a PhD, but uh, that's just kind of the way we do it. All right. Well, you lawyers, I don't know about you, but okay. So, all right. <laughs> So I want to talk about your speaking journey today, specifically, JJ. And, you know, JJ's in an area where a lot of what I talk about on the podcast and other things is how to build a profitable speaking business. Well, obviously, part of that process is protecting those profits and protecting your assets and making sure you don't get yourself in a pickle. And we may dive into that a little bit, certainly. But I primarily want to talk about your speaking journey, JJ. So... Mm -hmm. You know, you obviously come from a, a family of well-known speakers. I mean, your dad was one of the preeminent trainers in the speaking industry for many, many, many years. And so I, I got to ask, I mean, his name, John Childers, for those of you who don't know. But, uh, I mean, was he your impetus for becoming a speaker or did something drive it to drive you to it from another angle? What was the starting point? You know, Brad, great question. First of all, uh, that's definitely what happened. Uh, and what I mean by that is I grew up, you know, number one with my dad being a real estate investor and developer, um, you know, small business owner. So I knew I wanted to be around that to some extent. I just didn't know exactly what that looked like. And, you know, I'd always kind of worked with him. So I traveled around a little bit and gone to seminars, uh, handled a lot of the um, shipping and packaging of his products. So he would go out and 
you know, sell home study courses. And I, my brother and I would kind of do the tape duplication. You understand how that goes with the- uh, Oh, been there, been there, done that, man. <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, I did that and then actually went out to the trainings and I worked there as far as, you know, he would let me kind of introduce him and then I would lead people into the breaks, do some sales at different events. You know, so I kind of got my, a little bit of a taste, you know, dip my foot in the water, if you, if you will. And uh, that was when I was in college. You know, so when you're in college, you're trying to figure out, well, what do I want to do? Now, I've been studying business because I thought, well, that's going to be, you know, come in handy for whatever I'm doing. But when I went to the seminars in particular, I said, you know, I'd like to be a speaker. I think this is what I want to do. And then obviously, you know, coming out of college, you're 22 years old. And I was thinking, you know, who would who's going to listen to me? And I thought, you know, they'd listen to me if I was a lawyer. So then I said, you know, I'm going to go to law school. You know, so my dad had always kind of put, and I said, so if the whole speaking thing doesn't work out, then I'll fall back and I'll practice law. So that's kind of how I first got involved with it. But what was interesting about my journey, you know, to, to address your particular question is I went through law school a little bit differently than most people would. I mean, in particular, I took courses that would tie in to what I speak about. In particular, I, I knew because I'd been at those events with my dad, I knew that people needed to know about taxes. They needed to know about asset protection. They needed to know about estate planning. So I took as many of those courses as I could. You know, some of them were just part of the overall curriculum. But then I also kind of lasered in and said, this is what I want to do. I actually went to work for um, the attorney general's office, working in their consumer protection division. So I learned a lot about that, which ties into the speaking it also was one of those things I went and I worked for a plaintiff's law firm. So that helped me learn a little bit more about, you know, what are we protecting assets from? Because plaintiff's lawyers are filing lawsuits against people all the time. They're the ones you see advertising uh, so much that give us a interesting uh, name. And then uh, I also worked in the legislature. So it was a way to see how the laws were made and see the importance of that. So all of those things were done specifically to build my experience, my background, my expertise, so that I could provide that through my speaking. So that's probably a, a longer um, version of my journey than perhaps you may have wanted to know, but that's, that's kind of how it all came to be. So do you view the attorney gig as a credibility builder to feed your speaking business, or do you view the speaking business as a way to feed your attorney services? Well, the great thing about it is it does both, you know, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, yes, I did it initially to build the credibility. I'll just tell you. But then I also said, you know, in case things don't work out from a speaking standpoint, I can always practice law. And what happened was I have, you know, my dad's always said, you've got a really unique practice of law because the way that I get my clients is through speaking. And it's helped me quite a bit. You know, number one, there's a lot of speaking in the law. Just I was on the moot court team. I did a lot of different things like that so that I had to um, basically present, you know, arguments, present cases. You had to learn persuasive skills. So all of those things that have served me well in my speaking career also served me well in my legal career and vice versa. So you kind of look at it and you say, to me, it's kind of an obvious fit. Uh, some people may say I do things a little bit differently which I'm sure I do, but it's helped me also like when, when speaking was down, I always had the, the law practice to mm -hmm. kind of fall back on until things were picking up. And, you know, even, you know, during the, the pandemic, 
a lot of times, you know, just being able to get speaking gigs as far as like meeting with clients uh, over Zoom. So speaking has really kind of evolved quite a bit since the time when I first started doing it. Now my speaking is, is a lot different, which I know you've seen that too, Brett. Mm -hmm. So JJ, I like to say there are three kinds of speakers in my mind. One is the type that you definitely have done a lot of, which is using speaking primarily as a business building tool for your core service. The second is a keynote speaker, obviously, who's paid a fee to come in and talk to an association or a corporation and deliver a talk. And the third, in my mind, is the what we call the platform seller, the person who is going to make a direct pitch from the stage for whatever back-end service or product that they have. The third type that I, that I mentioned first, the, the business building speaker, you know, they may or may not ever make a direct offer from the stage. It's all about credibility and establishing themselves as an expert and all that. So obviously you've done the business building speaking, but have you played around in the keynote or the platform seller areas specifically? And of those three, which do you like the best? Well, I, I think what I first started in was the, was the platform. Uh, so I was selling basically legal services. You know, we have a package that when you go back to the back table, you know, and I would basically say, here's what the price is go back there, sign up. And then I had home study courses, things like that. So I really, I really enjoy doing that actually, because, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, well, I just don't like to sell. I don't want to feel like I'm up there pitching something. And I say, well, I'm always pitching something, you know, right now I'm just, I'm pitching the idea of what it's like to be a, a speaker, what it's like to, to use that as part of your overall business. So, I mean, I, the fact of saying pitching, I also, always believe in what it is that I'm offering. So I don't feel bad about pitching something at all. So I really actually probably like that the best. Um, it's the highest pressure because, you know, it's basically all performance based. You don't get paid if you don't uh, get the job done. And depending upon how well you get the job done, depends on, you know, that's how well you get paid. So that's definitely something that um, is interesting, but it's, it's the most stressful. Now, I have done a little bit of keynote speaking, which I found that interesting, too, because it's not stressful because what you're doing is basically you're getting a check to go up there and speak, to do what it is that I do. So I, I haven't done a lot of that, but it's basically because I haven't pursued that. And even what, what's interesting, and you know this, Brett, but I don't know, you know, if those people are listening right now uh, are watching this, they may be thinking, yeah, that's what I'd like to do is get, a, you know, a, a fee, get paid. Well, you know what? The most money I've made is when I sold something that platform sales uh, circumstance because hey, if you got a big room and you're selling something, you know you're going to get a pretty sizable payday on that. So it, it works out really well. So that's probably my favorite overall. Then keynote, and then the other, you know, the business building. It's it's partly tied into the platform because I'm basically selling people those services, and then the key is making sure that you have a residual. Uh, ongoing service, which legal services certainly fall into that category. Yeah, I mean, I've often said on the show that you will make far more money if you're an effective platform seller as a speaker than you will ever making on keynote fees. So if you truly have a great message to share that will help people out, figure out how you can package something that that leads to, because you'll, you'll generate a lot more revenue and be able to positively impact more people if you can go that route. So you, you come at the speaking world from a different perspective, JJ. So I want to find out how have you traditionally marketed yourself as a speaker? How did people find you? How did you get on those platforms so that you could share your message? Well, you know, when I first started out, basically I worked for a company that they needed somebody 
for this. It was a it was a stock market company. So they would, and when I say stock market company, stock market training. So it was really one of the first companies that did any sort of back when day trading was really big, mm-hmm. where you'd have a lot of these different companies that would start things. I worked with one that was arguably the the first and, and biggest at the time in particular um, company that did that. So I would go out every single week and I'd speak to different groups. And the way that they positioned me was they drew people in to learn how to trade the stock market. So it's, it's one of those, you know, there's a saying, and uh, you probably heard it, lead with the greed, which is basically, you know, let people know, hey, here's a way to make money. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not going to be exciting when, I, when you lead with, okay, protection. Well, it can be, but it's a lot more exciting when people are interested in making money where they say, okay, I'm about to start a business. I'm about to make money. And I always talk about it's not what you make, it's what you keep. So it was kind of an obvious tie there. You know, and so so what I've done a lot of times when I go out to try to book myself with new groups, a lot of what I'm doing is it's not completely on my own, but it's with these groups. So when these groups are teaching people how to make money, I always come in and basically my pitch to them is, so you teach people how to make money in blank, you know, real estate, the internet stock market, tax liens, whatever it might be. And I, I just asked myself, well, does your stuff work? And then they, they'll basically, well, of course it works. Why would I be teaching it if it didn't work? And I said, wow, because it sounds like you're probably causing your students a lot of problems. And they said, what do you mean causing them problems? I, how can I cause them problems? I'm helping them make money. I said, exactly. Now they got tax problems. Now they got problems of being a target for a potential lawsuit. So when you look at things like that, um, I talked to them about, here's how I can help you to help your students. So now I become value added. And then they're able to get a percentage of what I am able to offer to their students. So it works well for everybody, for the promoter, for myself, for the students, and ultimately my clients. So JJ, what would you say maybe your three biggest keys to success have been as a speaker? You know, that's really a great question, Brett. you know, I think I've seen myself evolve as a speaker. Um, the first thing that I would say is interaction. I think the more interaction you can have with the crowd, the, the better. Because number one, it makes it more engaging, not only for you, but also for them. They enjoy the experience more. Um, then I would also say, take a genuine interest in the people, which I think that kind of ties in with the interaction. When you're like, honestly, truly want to know what they want to know. You want to know, you know, how, what are you doing right now that I can help you with? And then I can tailor my presentation sometimes because I'll ask somebody, I'll interact with somebody in the audience and, you know, they'll kind of give me a little bit. Now, I don't want to go too off on a tangent on that, but you can just get them involved in that rhythm of, you know, help letting them fill in the blanks for you, letting them answer your questions so that now it's more of an interactive experience rather than just a lecture. Uh, because lectures are boring, not only for uh, the attendees, but also for the speaker. You know, when, when all you're doing is just giving that lecture, it's not, it's not enjoyable. But when you're having fun, because now you're having, it's not fully a conversation, but it feels more like a conversation. Right. And then probably the third thing I'd say is using humor. People love to laugh. People love to have a good time. I mean, even though we're talking about something incredibly serious, such as you know legal matters and estate planning and how your legacy is going to be left for your family members. It's vitally important, but at the same time, we can have a good time doing it. You know, it can be fun, it can be entertaining, it can be enjoyable. 
So those are the, the things that I would say is number one, interaction. Number two, take a genuine interest in the audience. And then number three, try to use humor as part of the overall uh, structure of your presentation. All right. Well, great advice, JJ. And I do have a couple other questions I want to ask you. But before we do, let's take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Are you a business owner or entrepreneur who's had great success in the business world? And now you want to launch a speaking career to share your message with the world. If that's you, then listen up. 25-year speaking industry veteran Brett Ridgway has released his latest special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. To pick up your copy, go to brettridgeway.com forward slash freebie. And we are back with the Spotlight on Speaking Show. My guest this week is J.J. Childers. And J.J., probably my favorite question to ask my guest, honestly, is, all right, open up your, bear your soul a little bit here, buddy, and maybe even embarrass yourself a little bit and share a couple mistakes maybe you made in the speaking world that you would highly advise aspiring speakers not to make. Well, I, I think if I had to think about that, so, some of the things that I think that I may have done that, that I somewhat regret or maybe being a little too thin-skinned so if somebody said something uh, negative even if it was true even if it was helpful i probably reacted poorly and sometimes you know you can let your emotions get the best of you so there may have been times where um i may have reacted with cutting remarks back or um just maybe being a little overly sensitive and sometimes you just have to you know you know, speaking earlier, just saying, you know, you've got to take a genuine interest. You don't know what's going on in, in folks' lives. You know, maybe they just had a bad day or maybe they've been burned by somebody in the past. Maybe they've had a bad experience. And if you understand that and just say, okay, let me just kind of see where they're coming from and not get into an adversarial type of a situation, but become more collaborative where you dig in a little bit deeper and say, hey, we're all in this together. Let's see how we can help one another and come up with some solutions. You know, maybe they're right on, on cer a certain point. Um, you know, so I've had, I've had to do that. Um, the other thing is um, that just mistakes that I think I, I've made is that that's probably the biggest one is just reacting poorly uh, rather than just letting stuff, you know, brush off you like water off a duck's back. You gotta be able to do that. And sometimes it's hard. Um, I have, you know, fortunately I haven't been the recipient of too much heckling uh, obviously, you know, any speaker has had some heckling and you just have to be able to, to deal with it. The other thing that I, I would tell you, um, now that I'm just kind of thinking about this, sometimes I'll make the mistake of, I want everyone in the room to love me. And if I see somebody, you know, maybe sitting back, their arms crossed and, you know, seeming like they're disengaged or that they're not, it's almost like I get laser focused on that person and I'm trying my best to win them over. and if you think about that, you know, depending upon the size of your audience, you're spending so much time on trying to win over one person who you may or may not win over, but now you've neglected the rest of the room. Hmm. What I've started doing is almost more, I'll make, you know, some sort of, I'll have some sort of interaction perhaps with that person, but if, if they're just going to be, you know, sour throughout the entire presentation, I'll just somewhat ignore them, not pay attention to them and say, you know what, I'm not going to let the fact that you don't want to have a good time today affect the rest of the group that does want to have a good time. So I've tried to spend more time on the many than all of my time on the few, if not the individuals. So just try to tie it as a group that we're coming through this as an experience 
uh, with one another. Oh, I appreciate you sharing those with us, JJ. So I want to give you a chance here. If people want to get involved in your world because they have need of a service or a new speaker, they need to find out the lay of the land, so to speak. How do they get involved in your world if they so choose? You know, thanks for asking me that, Brett. You know, first thing I would tell you is to visit my website. It's jjchilders.com. And that's J-J-C-H-I-L-D-E-R-S.com. And when you go to that website, one of the things that you'll notice is that it's primarily geared around educational types of, of offerings. And the reason that I do that is that, you know, first of all, I try to start off from more of an educational standpoint of saying, hey, you need to understand this. It's not just something, you know, it's almost the old adage of, you know, give a man a fish and feed him for a day, teach a man a fish, feed him for a lifetime. That's somewhat what I'm doing. I'm not trying to say that people will become, you know, legal scholars, but at the same time, you need to have some sort of an understanding of what it is that we're doing. And the better understanding that you have, the better client you're going to be and the better experience you're going to have. Because, you know, especially with legal matters, sometimes people feel helpless where they start thinking, wait a second, you know, I'm getting confused. This is just overwhelming. And as there's a saying, a confused mind says no. And if people are just confused and understanding, they get frustrated and they just say, you know what, I'm just shutting down. I don't want to do anything. Well, what I've found is that if I can get people engaged in the process, because it's about them, it's not about me, because every one of my clients is unique and they're going to have a little bit different uh, circumstances, situations, that have to be addressed. So it's important that they have an understanding and that they take part of the process and the overall process rather than just turning things over to me and saying, hey, you just take care of it all. That sounds good in theory, but in practice, it doesn't work so well that way. You've got to make sure that we're a team and we're doing things together. So that's that's a, a long way of addressing why I do things the way that I do. But basically, if, if people go to jjchilders.com, They'll get a taste. And, you know, we've got some uh, I've got a free course on there that people can take a look at uh, if they'd like to. So that's that's just a way to say, hey, I'd just like to learn about it. It's no commitment. Uh, basically, you know, we'll we'll send that to you. We don't do any, you know, hardcore marketing to you after that. Basically, we say, you know, it's, it's a program of attraction rather than a program of promotion is the way that we kind of look at it. So um, I'd invite everybody to go to jjchilders.com and take a look at uh, what all we have to offer. All right. Well, I appreciate you, JJ. And uh, this brings to an end another episode of the Spotlight on Speaking podcast. As always, my, my sincere thanks to you, first of all, JJ, for going on today and, and sharing your wisdom. And as always, if you haven't been heard of brettridgeway.com, please hop on over there, grab your copy of my free special report, Three Key Things Entrepreneurs Must Master to Build a Profitable Speaking Business. And then also my, my book, How to Build a Profitable Speaking Business, is now available in the book section of the site for pre-order. They will be shipping in March. So I don't know exactly when this episode will release, JJ. It may be before, maybe after the book, but that is, will be available soon. And as always, I wish everybody the greatest success in all that you do. And may 2023 be your greatest year yet. Take care, everybody. This has been the Spotlight on Speaking Show with Brett Ridgway. Be sure to join us every week as we interview speaking industry pros and have them share their best tips for building a profitable speaking business. Until next week, thank you for tuning in and remember to visit our website at spotlightonspeaking.com so you can enjoy even more great episodes like this one. While you're here, be sure to subscribe via your favorite network. 
We look forward to seeing you next time on the Spotlight on Speaking show. Until then, our sincere best wishes to you for the greatest of success as you work to build your own profitable speaking business. Oh,